Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to Crossroads. It's great to see you all. If I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, my name is Justin. Join me in prayer, please. All right, Father, Lord, just thank you. Thank you for this new year, Lord. We know that uh, this year is likely going to have uh, many, many challenges, Lord. We also know that you're in control. You know every single thing that's going to happen. You know right where, where we are at. You meet us where we're at. We're thankful for that. We ask that our minds and hearts be open to today's message, Lord, as we start relationship rehab. And Lord, um, that we will hear what you would have us hear from this message. We thank you that uh, your hand is on Bill as he delivers this message today. Thank you for each person here. It's in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. All right. And relationships can, can be like a seesaw sometimes. So join us as we have a video introducing that. Relationships and seesaws, they are really pretty similar. Some are big and some are small. Some are safe and padded, while others are dangerous and tall. There's strong ones, and uh, not so strong ones, and too many others to count. But no matter the shape or size, they share one thing the same. They have to have two to work. And depending on who is part of the two, they could go nowhere or somewhere further than intended. Or maybe they're matched perfectly, but their rhythm is, let's just say, less than splendid. Regardless of the case, one thing's for sure. To do it alone isn't fun. It's downright impossible. So let's talk about how to do it better. Seesaw, how do you balance your relationships? Have you ever felt like the elephant sitting there by yourself, bouncing up and down, trying to make a relationship work? Uh, I, I personally identified with the butterflies because I'm just so sweet and beautiful flying around. Uh, <clears throat> my name is Bill. For those of you who don't know me, and you can, don't take anything I say seriously, uh, we're going to put verses up. That's serious. Uh, today we are talking about relationships. We're starting a series uh, where we're actually going to examine relationships, our personal relationships that we have. One of the things about going to church is what's one of those overall truths that are there. We, we shouldn't come to church to go and get information to go fix somebody else. Some of you may have been drugged here to be fixed because we knew the topic that was going to be coming at us today, relationships. Uh, this, this is personal applications. We're going to go through multiple weeks. We're going to be talking about what we can do personally to build our relationship with Christ and then to pass that relationship on to people around us. Relationships are hard. People have different personalities, differences. Uh, we try and balance family of origin between the two. There's just a lot of stuff that needs to be worked through to make them work. Work in such a way that's, that's wholesome and healthy for both members and also for Christ and the community that's there. So uh, we planned this series uh, well into last year. We expected that it would be perfect timing coming January uh, 2020, because people would be coming out again, COVID would be over, uh, we wouldn't have to be worrying about it. Wrong. Uh, so, but we still have the series, and I think it's going to be applicable to everyone that comes uh, throughout it uh, in the coming year. Uh, common resolution people make, and I looked up a bunch of websites about what everyone was thinking about, more money, remodeling the house, all that, but one of the common ones that run through everyone is a desire to improve our relationships. 
We want to be able to connect better, deeper, and more loving with the people that we know. Uh, common resolution. It's the resolution that I make. I, I, I want to grow in relationships. I'm an old dude, but I got a lot of growing to do. I want to be able to, to love my wife better. 57 years as of December 26th. Uh, yeah. All for her. Uh, not for me. I'm, I'm the jerk. Uh, that wasn't supposed to be funny. Uh, <laughs> but that's, I, I want to grow in that relationship after all these years. We'll talk about some of that journey, not only today, but each week as we get together, because that, that's a, a key relationship for those of us who are married. We're going to try and talk about relationships with other people. Seven weeks, we'll be looking at it. What we're fighting is a Really, uh, in our culture today, one of the diseases that's not spoken about, uh, unless you look at some of, the, some of the specific news on human relationship, is the epidemic of loneliness. The inability to connect in a way that's meaningful with other people, not just because of COVID, not just because of uh, society and uh, social media that pushes us apart, but, but simply because uh, we don't have the skills, the abilities, or other people to connect with. Uh, we, we're breaking the series down and, and looking at two focuses of love. First, there's our love of God. Uh, we're, we're told that this is the first and the greatest commandment, is to be able to love God. The second greatest commandment is to be able to love our neighbor. So each week we'll, we'll talk about taking that love that God gives us and passing it on in our various relationships. Uh, Today is an introduction. We will, we will lay some foundational you know, uh, essentials, principles that will apply throughout the series. Next week, we'll talk about friendship. The next week after that, we'll talk about romance, that, uh, that connection, that excitement between a man and a woman. We'll talk about cyberland relationships. One of the things that, of course, wasn't a, an issue 20 years ago is now that most people find their social outlet in social media. And they find our connection between text, emails, uh, and the other things. And, but we, we recognize the damage that that can do if we're not careful, because 95% of communication does not come from the words that we text or the email that we send. It comes from our facial expression, voice, attitude that the other person picks up. So when we're doing social media interaction, as much as it it may be with people we really care about, 95% of the communication is missing uh, as we do that. Cyberland, we'll talk about the strengths and the weaknesses. We'll talk about home and family. We'll uh, have one on marriage. Uh, we'll have one on finishing well. It was already mentioned by Justin that we're going to have three workshops, which will be a Saturday event where people can come in and we'll actually meet into small groups where you can get with questions, whether it's family or whether it's parenting whether it's uh, finishing well, something that uh, we've done before, it's, in, it's important as we finish our race to finish well spiritually, that, w that we end up with, a, with almost a victory lap for Jesus Christ, but also that we do the, the, the things that'll help our family, that'll pick up after us after we're gone. So that's the finishing well one that we're going to do. Uh, please try and attend each one of them. Uh, Hopefully it'll be fun. Tell neighbors, family, friends, uh, invite them to join us as we do this. 
Uh, this is the foundation that we have in our life is really relationships and the quality of those relationships so often defines the quality of our life. That's why they're so incredibly important. We have been created as relational beings. We have been created to be completed in relationships. No two people are the same, so we need, just as God took one look at Adam and said, whoa, poor man, not good for him to be alone. Uh, many wives have the same feeling about their husbands when they go out the door, but uh, we are made for relationships. We seek them out. Uh, uh, sometimes even to our own detriment, we look for people we can connect with and know uh, and live with. Uh, we want to be able to share love with them. This comes not just out of thin air. We were created by a relational God. We were made in the image of God and, and our God. And this is so surprising. We take it for granted uh, in, in our particular culture because most of us uh, used to, if you uh, grew up, you grew up understanding that God wanted a relationship. He so loved us, he sends his son so that sin can be removed so that we can know him, we can join his family. We take that as just standard fare, but we forget Christianity is the only one that offers a personal relationship with the supreme being. It's the only way that heaven is offered that where we can live for eternity in intimate personal relationship with God and with each other. This is unique, and, and uh, we want to be celebrating that, and as we talk as we go, uh, we're made in God's image. God feels love. He sends love. He understands rejection. We can grieve him. We can bring him joy. We can, you know, he can celebrate in our life. Or as a father, when we see a, a, one of our kids going south, he mourns just as we would. This is a relational God that we get to connect with. We're made in his image. And he demonstrates his love in real and positive ways. And one of the things, in a way, by the way, I want to add, where it can be received. So often we miss each other because we don't know how the other person wants to be loved, needs to be loved, needs to be connected with. So we'll be talking about that in each of these relationships as we go. God demonstrates his love by sending Christ to remove that sin barrier so that we can know him. We talked about this Christmas Eve, about how, how unique that ability is. But also, I'm going to make an assumption, and this is always bad, because uh, I'm not trying to put this on you, but I think most people want to be connected in a healthy way to other people. I don't, whenever I walk up to a group, I don't want a red flashing light in their heart saying, jerk alert, jerk alert, jerk alert, here comes Bill. Uh, or at work, the guy comes by and there goes that bozo again, uh, or bozette, depends, we're equal opportunity here. But we don't want to be that person. We, we want to be a person that we, people want to connect with, that want to know, that want to have a relationship with. Uh, so, so that's really what we'll be talking about. But it's not easy because the truth be told, we're in a spiritual battlefield. There are forces of evil, yes, I'm saying forces of evil, that lurk inside of our culture and our society to try and destroy us individually, absolutely trying to destroy our relationship with God. 
but also wants to destroy our relationships with other people. The, the job of evil forces is to destroy. We should be, in our relationships and in everything we do, sober-minded, watchful, because we have an adversary, the devil, who prowls around like a lion trying to destroy us, and he does that, in this case, by destroying our relationships. You know, uh, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. When, when a husband and wife, a child and parent, uh, two siblings, uh, people at work, and you get into a fight, it's not because we choose to do that. There are evil forces of darkness working first in our heart because we have a, we have a fallen nature. Uh, one of the biggest important lessons of of relationships is no matter what relationship we're in, we're sinners. And no matter how sweet that other person is, they're sinners too. And so we're, we're in this spiritual battle of sin and our, so our battle is not against flesh and blood, it's not against the person sitting there that, that may be indeed a, a, a doing hurtful and painful things our response to it and, and their activities are really spiritual manifestations. We, we have to put aside this defending ourselves and getting even and protecting. Uh, no, we have to recognize that there are spiritual forces at work and, spite and fight spiritual forces with spiritual weapons that are there. And uh, we can tell how we're doing in our relationships very simply. Look at the fruit. Look at the fruit that's inside of our relationships. Don't be misled. Whatever we put into or someone puts into our relationship with someone else, if you're married, you're married. If you're parenting or, or, or in a child situation, it's in that relationship. Something's being put into it. And we can tell when you go to work, are you walking into love, joy, peace, patience? When you talk about politics with your family, is it love, joy, peace, patience? Yeah. Uh, or when we turn the TV on, what are we seeing? What's manifesting itself inside of our lives and our relationships? Is it immorality, idolatry? Is there quarreling, jealousy, anger, uh, outburst of anger, division, strife? What marks our relationships? It's, it's usually important. In all probability, everyone has a strained relationship that's here. There's a relationship that isn't where we want it to be, or where, more importantly, where God wants it to be. There's families that are being torn apart. We just, we just have to look around to see the damage that's there. The works of the flesh are absolutely obvious. The things that take place, uh, there's a battle. Each week, we will talk about that battle in that context of that relationship, applying the essentials that we're going to talk about today. Uh, each week, we'll unpack one area. But it doesn't do any good if you don't apply it, if I don't apply it, if I don't go home and, and, and search my heart when I'm sitting before God. We'll talk about this a lot because he wants to talk to us and teach us about our relationships. And so we'll be talking about that, about what we're sowing and what it looks like. We'll unpack one area every week. But I want to start with what I think is an under, 
the major point in relationships and the major point in our life. Our relationships with other people will be defined by our relationship with God. Many people have been to marriage seminars and they see this little triangle with God at the top and a husband and wife or, or two friends or whoever it may be, but a, the, the three sides of a relationship with God being at the top. And so uh, when the husband and the wife are far from God or the two friends are far from God or put whatever context you want there, uh, further from God the further the distance between each other. Because quite honestly, unless we have a common covenant, a common love, a common goal, we are not moving in unity. See, God offers that to us. He has a picture of what a perfect godly marriage should be. He presents to us what two friends should be like, how we can love our neighbor, how we can love other people at work, uh, how we can love each situation we come in but it's our distance to god that defines that and so the bottom picture is what you see at all the marriage seminars just they encourage you uh, to get closer to god yourself because you understand his principles better you're quicker to forgive you communicate with love you do all these things and and you come home and you're singing kumbaya to each other and it's all wonderful and the neighbors wonder if you're wacky because you're so good to each other but this idea of growing closer to God brings us closer to each other. We forgive quicker. We, we serve each other better. We find out the other person's needs and wants, and we strive to make them. This is moving closer to God. So this will be the principle uh, that we want to apply. Now, this is for all of us. And, and it applies really to all our relationships. Uh, first, I want to just talk as an example of myself. And uh, when my wife and I got married, we didn't know Christ. Uh, I was a heathen rat dog. She was a sweet girl that fell into bad company. I'm saying that because she's here. <laughs> but we got married, and uh, God, God, far from our lives, no manifestation of it, and. And that was for the over 13 years, 13 years of chaos, 13 years of pain and suffering and establishing bad habits inside of our marriage, uh, defensive, just it wasn't pretty. It was all the fruit of the flesh that we talked about earlier that Satan will sow in. Now, the reason we didn't get divorced was very simple. My wife is the stubbornest woman I've ever met. Oh, and I'm the stubbornest man she's ever met. And no one was going to say, no one was going to, the common expression is tap out. No one was going to tap out and say, I give up. <laughs> I can't handle it. No, you, you first. Uh, so we were stubborn. Second reason is literally three wonderful kids that we love then and love now dearly. That's hard. <clears throat> we do. And so we knew the damage that would take place if we were to get divorced. So we stayed together. And the final reason is, as funny as it sounds, I say it all the time, and people don't take me seriously. What kept us really till the last minute was me going to Vietnam. Every time our marriage was just about there to blow up, the Marine Corps, in all of its infinite wisdom, <laughs> would send me 13 months to Vietnam. 
And so that happened twice, and t it was just perfect timing. I remember one of the nights when I was leaving the next day to go, and I took out nice dinner and everything else, and had a, and we, so we fought through dinner, and that was the last thing for a year, 13 months. And, uh, but I came back. She said, bad penny shows up, but we came to know Christ. Because of our kids, we started going to church. Our life changed 13 years in. And, and Christ started to move in our lives, and we started to make that transition of getting closer to God and closer to each other. We learned principles. We helped each other. We started to encourage each other. We found out our differences, and we started to change. And so we certainly lived out this triangle uh, inside of our marriage. Now, I, I want to warn everyone of a pitfall right here and uh, a hope. I tell couples this all the time, and I do a lot of premarital whenever I can. Uh, people will come in, and I'll talk to them about this, about going closer to God. Because no, most people that come in typically don't know Christ or, or don't have a real relationship. They feel they're Christians. So I, I start to, my, I got seven weeks of evangelism. They're targets up to me, all clear on the firing line. In love. Uh, but, but approaching them on this, I'll tell them, if the both of you become Christians, you'll have this godly marriage and da-da-da. Or in post-marital, if they're already married, I say, here's the deal. It only takes one. You see, we look at this and we see both people going up. I know example after example where one person comes to Christ and their life is so transformative that they continue to live Christ in a hostile environment where their mate is not seeking Christ, is still living in the flesh, but they're quick to forgive. And some people here, by the way, are probably in that situation. Don't worry about fixing the other person. You have no control there, except you can change yourself. You can forgive quicker. You can become a servant, irrationally serving the mate that often is abusive in terms and words. I'm not saying st stick in a relationship where it's physical abuse and all that. What I'm saying is in a marriage, one person can bring Christ into that marriage. One person can transform the marriage. And hopefully, and the most important thing that you can do is you can bring your mate to Christ to say, watch you. You know, this is, this is given as a biblical principle uh, inside the Bible. It's given, it's, it speaks, uh, to, in this case, uh, the apostle Peter lays it out there. He says, likewise, wives, be subject. Now, often these words, is, it says, be submissive. We'll come back to that. Wives, but whenever I have this in my Bible, whenever I, and I encourage you to do this, anytime you pick up a biblical principle that has a notation like wife or husband, parent, child, you can just mark it out and put your name in there. Because there isn't a biblical truth that isn't applicable to everybody. So in this particular case, it says wives, but let's change that. Uh, likewise, you husbands, be subject to your wives. That if any of them don't obey the word, they don't know Christ, that they're going to be won by your behavior. This is that one can do it principle that's there. And it goes on to talk about the gentle, quiet nature of your heart. Serving, forgiving will draw the other person to Christ. This is, this is the gift of one to be able to do it. People will often turn around and say, well, 
that's really hard, Bill. You tell me to go into this relationship and serve? Yeah. God doesn't leave us alone here, by the way. That word at the beginning of this is likewise, you wives, or likewise, you husbands. Some of the translations say, therefore. Okay, he says, there's likewise. In other words, there's some example before that we're supposed to be like. Let's go look at the example. If you're here and you're in a situation where you're married to someone who's not following Christ and his principles, Christ gives you a principle to be able to work with. This being subject, we have the example of Christ on the cross. This is the, the verse just before it, and this is the likewise, and this is the therefore. You've been called, for you've been called because Christ also suffered, leaving you an example. So if you're in a marriage where you're the one carrying the cross, you're the one asking for forgiveness, you're the one that's serving the others, while the other person just does what they want to do, Christ left you an example so we can follow his steps. He committed no sin, no deceit found in him. When he was reviled, when he was badly treated, uh, he didn't fight back. He just suffered. He didn't threaten. He didn't get into this power struggle and say, you will or this is going to happen to you. He didn't do any of that. He just quietly, humbly served us by bearing our sins on the cross. That's exactly the proof that one can do it. Follow his example in those tough marriages uh, and tough relationships, whether it's at work. We talk about marriage, but it can happen at work. You, you may have a co-worker, you may have a boss, you may have an employee that puts you in that situation. You may be uh, in, a, in, in different groups and relationships. God gives us an example where we can be the one. Now that's that's clear. That's an example that's put in front of us. Very important. It will be hard. Some of the, the most powerful counseling that myself and Dion get to do is when someone's living in that situation and they come in and week after week, they're seeking ways to serve better, to forgive quicker, to be humbler in those relationships. It's, when that happens and I see that or Dion sees that, it's just Christ shining in a life. There's a book uh, called Beloved Unbeliever. It's an old book, but it was written by someone living in that situation. Excellent uh, to follow. I've given out many copies of this. We do that. Uh, it can be done. But as we do this, warning, and we're going to just touch on this, because there's two ways to have healthy relationships. There's the secular way, the world's way of having uh, good relationships, and there's Christ's ways. It's, it's totally different, uh, a secular worldview uh, as compared to a Christian worldview. It comes out of a verse that we use all the time. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you can know what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. This is... This is the promise that there's a worldly path to relationships and there's a godly path to good relationships. The, the worldly path focuses on us building ourselves up, our self-esteem, our self-actualization, making ourselves the main focus of what's taking place. That's the secular world. And it, and it ends up, quite honestly, and I love this example 
of a power struggle where you fight to a neutral point. It's called detente. For those of you who are old as I am, you remember Russia and the United States lived in this situation of detente, was in the news all the time, where they had enough power with their nukes to blow us off the face of the earth and the rest of the earth, and we had enough nukes to throw it off them. It was an exciting time to live because they would be doing bomb tests. You'd get under your desk and everything else and say, is this it? Uh, mutually assured destruction. Many couples, and some here I'm sure, are living in detente. You have the ability and you know how to destroy your mate if they cross a certain line. They know you know, and so they don't cross that line. But they've got a line, and they've got power, and they can destroy your life. So you live in this tenuous power between each other just keeping the other one intact because you have the ability to destroy them. That's the world's way. God's way is obviously the opposite. We risk all for the hope of all. That's, that's the way we win the other person. And by the way, this, this battle back and forth uh, is... We're talking about in our Sunday school class. We just started a Sunday school class today going through the book of Philippians on mental health. How do you maintain mental, emotional health in a battleground of relationships and in a world that's set against God? How do you do that? That's what we're talking about in that class. You're welcome to join us. We've just started uh, book of Philippians is the mental health book uh, in the Bible. Again, the difference, I'm just going to hit this quickly. Two worldviews. One God's and the other the world's. Psalms 1 will tell us, 1 1 will tell us, blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel, advice, directions, and understanding of the world, of the ungodly. So when we're talking about, don't, if you, don't choose Dr. Phil, don't choose Oprah, don't choose Spock, Dr. Spock, don't choose Spock from Star Trek might be okay, uh, Dr. Spock. Uh, Freud, all the psychiatrists and psychologists and, and all that babble that's there, don't follow them. We will be presenting and contrasting God's ways to their way as we go along. We will try, strive, and present what we call the wisdom of God. Everyone here, I'm betting has a copy. It's called the Bible. It's God's inspired word that never changes, and it is adequate for correction, for training and righteousness, that the man or the woman of God can be complete, equipped for every good work. We can be equipped by applying God's plan to our relationship inside of our lives. Those are the foundational stuff. What are the principles that we need to apply each week in each relationship is first examine ourselves. If, if, if we go into any relational situation and we're looking at the faults of the other person, we are already defeated because we're listening to the prince of the power of darkness that rules this world. We're already listening to the devil. So when we do this, we examine ourselves. We ask God to search us if there's any hurtful way in us. You know, it's a wasted prayer to be able to say, okay, God, search my mate, search my boss, get them straightened out, show me their sin. Ain't happening. 
search ourselves so we can be transitioned into it. That's where we start with ourselves. And we use a principle that I'm, I'm going to touch on because Christmas Eve, we talked about it. In Philippians, again, God gives us the example through Jesus Christ of how to treat other people. We're, we're told that do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Don't be selfish. But with humility of mind, consider the other person as more important than yourselves. This is absolutely against human nature. And it's against the advice of this world who tells us to power up and to arm up. With you, count, you know, uh, others more significant. Don't look out for your own interest, but their interest. Be unselfish, be a servant, become a bondservant to him, because that's what Christ came for us. Have his attitude in your relationship. If you're here and you're saying, Bill, what does that mean? Ask him. Come to know this God that died for our sins. Come to know this God that serves us even now, each moment, each day, uh, reaching out to us, who laid aside his power. He didn't come in detente. He came to die for us. To die on a cross, the most embarrassing death that's there. Uh, Pick the relationship, any relationship, and see if we're being Christ in it. Replace this pride and selfishness with humility and unselfishness. Break it down because pride goes before destruction and, and a haughty spirit before the fall. Clothe ourselves in humility. Would your mate describe you as humble? Would your boss or co-worker or anyone that you have a real relationship and they know you, would they describe you as a humble servant? That's, that's the goal and that's what we strive for. This is this is be able to do that. Be the doulois, the, the servant, just as Christ was to us in it. Uh, people often read that verse, and I said this before, they read that verse about uh, be humble, serving everyone else, and they say, that'll make me a doormat. What is the response to that? Pardon? Yes, yes thank you very much. There's some crossroadians. Yeah, absolutely. That'll make you a doormat but you'll be a godly doormat and you'll be honoring God because that's what Christ did for us. This is, this is his offer to us. You know, each one of these things, uh, this love each other sacrificially, it's 100%. It's just like we often talk that love is not 99%. No one's going to get married and say, will you love and honor and obey 99% of the time on every other week, you know, 1%, 3.5 days a year, go out and do whatever you want with whoever you want and treat me any way that you felt what might feel at the time. I won't even ask for a show of hands. I don't think anyone would say, sign me up for that. I'm so desperate for a marriage, I'll take it. No. And oh, by the way, submission is not 99%. It's a total humility of ourselves to serve the other person. I often, in, in a couple of marriages that I did, was I, uh, the person would come in before the vows, we'd talk for a while, and they would say, okay, but when you give the vows, don't use the word submission or submit. Well, of course, that, that gives me an opportunity to, to delicately probe that they don't know Christ. Because that's the opposite. It, it, again, uh, 
sadly, that's kind of our culture to defend ourselves today. Uh, he laid his life down for us and we should. First principle comes out of that, ad, have the attitude that Christ had. The second one is, is the power of forgiveness in our relationship. The most powerful weapon that you can use is forgiveness. If someone hurts you, they know it. They know it. Forgive them. If they ask for forgiveness, don't gunny sack it. Gunny sacking hurts. It means you take them and you put them in a bag. And when something goes wrong in the relationship, you, you dump it all over them. You don't deal with the current problem. You, you bury them with what they've done in the past. So if you're in a relationship, just a little clue, and every time things aren't going right, the past is brought up, gunny sacking. Forgiveness is incomplete. And there's uh, all have sinned. If you say you have no sin, if your partner says, if you, have, if you expect a partner not to have sin, we're, we're smoking wacky-backy. That's, oh, did I say outside? Yeah. Uh, we are deceived. We're living with sinners. We're sinners. Confessing our sins one to another. But again, as, as we do that, this ability uh, to do that and to be able to forgive. We often hear the example, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Well, it's true. Don't let, the, don't let the moment go down on your anger. The quicker we can forgive and go on, the quicker we're going to be able to bring about. It says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander be put far from you. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving. We should be spring-loaded, not to the angry, torqued-off position. We should be spring-loaded to the forgive position. That's the nature of Christ working inside of us. Be angry. Do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and give the devil an opportunity. If you do not forgive, you're throwing the door of your heart open and saying, come on in, Satan. If you don't forgive in a relationship, you're asking Satan to live in that relationship. Isn't that strong? But it's true. Some of you may be thinking right now, maybe when I said you've got to forgive everyone, a name, a picture, a past event in your marriage, your family, or something comes to mind. That's exactly what we're talking about. Forgive from your heart and release the other person so the relationship can flourish. Forgiveness is not optional. It, like love and submission, is 100%. And it is hard. But out of that, by the way, gives an opportunity to the next principle, repentance and growth. When we forgive this, this concept of when we're hurt, to be able to use that hurt in such a way that it builds us up. You know, and, and also, let me just make sure you understand that, that when we hurt someone else, this ability to be able to repent. Repent means to stop doing what we're doing and to do something different. If, if we care for Christ, when we find out we're doing something sinful and hurting someone else, we will stop. 
because part of the word of repentance is abhorrence of past and present sins. Because we know those sins are paid for by Christ. This is an abhorrence of hurting the other person. And oh, by the way, if you've been married longer than a week, your mate has forgiven you probably a hundred times. If you got 57 years of past hurt, one of the truths is I look at how many times my wife has had to forgive me. And you see, it changes my heart. Just knowing that the pain I've inflicted, she's let it go. If you're in a relationship for any period of time and they are walking in Christ and forgiving you, it should drive us to repentance, an abhorrence of past and present sins so we don't do them in the future. Godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. When we repent and turn, there's no regret. We're not, I'm, I'm never sorry when I stop inflicting pain on someone. And you shouldn't be either. It should be, I always use the example of, of carpentry, because I did. And if you're, if you're hammering, if you haven't bought a nail gun yet, and you're using a hammer to sink a nail, and you hit your thumb, and you do it a couple of times, and someone comes by and says, stop hitting your thumb. You say, good idea, I'm stopping doing that. That's a repentance without regret, because you'll lose a lot of pain. And that's the same thing in when we treat other people badly. So presume in these particular things. The next, growth. All relationships are an opportunity for growth. It's an opportunity to put on Christ. Because this is what we want in our relationship. This is who we want in our relationship. So this ongoing morning devotional time with God, letting Him speak to us, transform us, take off our old habits, old ways, renew the spirit of our mind, and put on Christ that we may act like him inside our relationships. Created, I love this, renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new self created in the likeness of God, righteousness and holiness. Press on to be able to do that. Uh, one of the things that we're going we're to talk about is a, is a very critical part of every relationship for a Christ follower. Every day, regularly, some time is set aside for someone who's seeking Christ where we can sit with an open heart, an open Bible, and an open spirit before God. And as we do that, we will learn God's principles in His Word, but God will speak to us. A prayer that I encourage in every relationship that you're going into is ask God to show you what your sin is. If there's something that's just not right, don't focus on anything but asking God what your stuff is. And I've, I've never come up empty. I might walk into that, ask that prayer with God, but when I get quiet, the, the promises that you call upon him, I love this, this second verse, I, I, I call... Uh, let, me, let me just read it to you. Thus uh, says the Lord who made the earth, who formed it and established it. The name is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and wonderful things hidden from you. This is, I just read that in Jeremiah in my, in my study. 
God's going to talk to us. He will tell us what we're doing wrong. He will guide us. Now, if this is huge, I love sharing this because it's so wacky. If you're the natural human nature, when you start talking about a conflict you're in, we all have them. So if you're talking and praying about that relationship and wanting to honor God in it, and you hear a voice pointing out what the other person has done, that is Satan. God does not gossip. So many people waste their prayer time listening to the devil tell them what the other person did wrong. Instead of quieting down and just rejecting it, and listen to how we can grow. Our goal each week is to do that in each of our relationships. Whether it's marriage, whether it's family, whether it's parenting, whether it's at work, whether it's at school, in any and every relationship with friends or family, or even our enemies, to be able to grow with them by asking God to change us. Please join us each week. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you that your plan is perfect. You've set a model in Jesus Christ that we might be transformed from the inside out, that we might become humble, unselfish as Christ was, that we might serve other people first and not ourselves, that we might carry Christ and his love into each of our relationships. Give us the strength and the wisdom to do that. For those who are here today that are Christ followers, thank you, Lord, that you are doing that work in their life, that you're providing wisdom and insight and understanding. For those of you that are here today that, that don't know Christ, Lord, thank you that you're knocking on the door of their heart to invite them into a relationship with you that will be good, acceptable, and perfect. Thanks that you're doing that. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for coming. Next week, we talk about friends. This week, if you're my friend, would you please eat all the donuts on your way out? Thanks much for coming.